The Guardian. As countries in the Northern Hemisphere approach autumn and winter, a new question arises in our fight to contain the COVID-19 pandemic. What happens when flu season hits? There are a few things that make influenza a particular concern. According to the World Health Organization, seasonal flu is associated with somewhere between 290,000 and 650,000 respiratory deaths each year. Unlike COVID-19, flu puts a lot of young children in hospital, but the majority of deaths are in older people and those with other medical problems. COVID-19 and influenza also share many symptoms, fever, tiredness, headaches, a cough or sore throat, and an achy body. Flu is also very contagious. This has left experts, and you, our listeners, with a lot of questions. Andre from South Africa asked us what happens when you contract flu and coronavirus at the same time. In Germany, Ignacio wondered whether COVID-19 measures will impact the typical spread of influenza. And many of you wanted to know about the potential importance and value of getting the seasonal flu vaccination. To try and find some answers, we're tackling this in two parts. On Thursday, I'll be exploring how we can best prepare for flu season when it comes to our public health response. But today's episode is looking at how viruses interact. Could the fact that COVID-19 is circulating help or hinder the spread of seasonal influenza or vice versa? What happens when two viruses meet in a population or in a person? If that immune response is strictly directed against the virus that infects first, it is unlikely that will affect the second virus. If it's an innate immune response, which is usually the first response of the tissue against infection, that is likely to have an effect against other viruses. I'm Ian Sample, and this is Science Weekly. To understand more about virus-virus interactions, I spoke to Pablo Mercia, a professor of integrative virology at the University of Glasgow. Pablo, as we move into autumn and winter, we're potentially going to be facing this other challenge of managing the COVID-19 pandemic, and, and that's influenza. And one of the questions that raises is what happens biologically when two viruses meet? And it's something you've been studying, I think. I mean, how much do we know about these kinds of virus-virus interactions in, in general? Essentially, there is very little that we know about virus-virus interactions. And this is because most of the virology that we know so far is based on the study of viruses in isolation. It's quite complex to study one virus at a time. It's extremely complex to study more than one virus at the time. So this is something that uh, we started tackling a, a few years ago when we started a program on viral respiratory infections here at the Center for Virus Research. And uh, we showed evidence of interactions between uh, respiratory viruses. What are the different ways we can use to look at this problem, Pablo? The way we started was by looking at the patient population. So basically, we looked at the diagnostic test results of thousands of patients over multiple years here in Glasgow, and each of those patients had been tested simultaneously by PCR, which is the same test that is used now to detect SARS-2, 
for 11 different viruses. So we analyze those data and we showed evidence that viruses interact both at the population level and at the individual patient level. Another way to study this, if you want to understand the biology behind these interactions, is doing experimental work. And a way to do that is to do, for example, infections of cells with the viruses you are interested in and compare their phenotype, which is the way they grow, the way they spread from cell to cell, the damage they cause to the cell in isolation or in the presence of the other virus. But this is quite complex because how do you do these co-infections? Think about it. You Do you infect with virus A and B at the same time? Do you infect first with virus A and then B? Do you infect first with B and then A? Is this dose dependent? Does it depend on the amount of virus that you put in? So this is why uh, I think co-infections have been uh, not studied that much. It's, it's an extremely complex uh, experimental approach that is needed. Pablo, I think I'm right in saying that we don't know yet how the influenza virus will interact with SARS-CoV-2, the virus causing COVID-19. And I understand, though, that viruses can help or hinder other viruses. They can cooperate or be competitive with them. Just wondered if you could talk about this a little. I mean, first of all, how can viruses be competitive with each other? We studied simultaneously interactions between 11 different respiratory viruses. And what we found was evidence of both positive and negative interactions between some virus pairs. What we meant by negative interactions is that, in simple words, when you have high prevalence of virus A, you have low prevalence of virus B. And that was quite evident between influenza A virus and rhinovirus or influenza B virus and adenovirus. On the contrary, we also observed positive interactions. That means that the peaks of prevalences between these between two viruses coincided. And that was mainly between respiratory syncytial virus and metanumovirus and parainfluenza virus one and two. So that is essentially how we defined uh, positive and negative interactions. Now, the mechanisms uh, that uh, result in, this inter in these patterns, we don't know, actually. We don't know how SARS-2 is going to interact with influenza. However, we know that the influenza viruses do not tend to co-infect with other respiratory viruses. On the other hand, what we did observe was that the seasonal coronaviruses, and that excludes uh, SARS-2, are found in co-infections. And particularly, we observed these uh, seasonal coronaviruses in co-infections with RSV, with parainfluenza 3, and with adenoviruses. But again, I want to make clear that this is not SARS-2, it's the other coronaviruses that have been circulating in our population. 
You say that the mechanisms of those interactions, whether they're positive or negative, are unknown. But do scientists have ideas as to what is happening when viruses are competing with each other or whether they are cooperating? We have hypotheses, but we need to test them experimentally. So I can give you hypothetical examples of how virus can interact in a positive or in a negative manner. For example, if a virus infects the tissues and the tissues respond with a non-specific immune response, what happens is that that tissue becomes kind of antiviral. And that is non-specific to any particular virus, can have a broad effect. So virus A infects, triggers an innate immune response that blocks other viruses. Other viruses cannot get in. That would be a possible mechanism of a negative interaction. Another potential mechanism of negative interactions is given by inflammation. So when one virus infects the respiratory tract, there is a whole tissue response and basically you have uh, cells that go to the sites of infections to fight it. And that results in what we call inflammation. And again, that inflammation can act not only against the virus that is infecting, but against other viruses. And this would be another way by which a negative interaction can occur. Now, if we think about positive interactions, you can turn this the other way around. There are viruses that are very good at damping down the innate immune response. So if there is a virus that infects and blocks the uh, antiviral response of the tissues, will favor infection by other viruses. Pablo, because of the global nature of this pandemic, there have already been countries that have experienced influenza overlapping with SARS-CoV-2. Has anything emerged from those countries that suggest whether influenza may make SARS-CoV-2 infection worse or, or, or even less problematic? To answer that question, what we need to consider is that um, the, the current uh, winter season which is when influenza viruses and other respiratory viruses like RSV, respiratory syncytial virus, circulate, is happening right down in the southern hemisphere. Something that we need to keep in mind is that in most countries, there are strict quarantine measures that affect not only SARS-2, but all the other respiratory viruses. So what we are seeing right now is an unusual epidemiology, if you will, of these viruses. And I can give you an example. I was in conversations with the uh, head of the diagnostic lab of virology in the children's hospital in Buenos Aires, which is the capital city of Argentina. That's the biggest children's hospital. And by the middle of the winter, they hadn't seen a single case of respiratory syncytial virus in children. And in usual years, the whole hospital is full of children with these infections. So it's very difficult to predict what's going to happen when you compare countries that are now in the middle of the winter, but at the same time under strict quarantine measures that are blocking the transmission of not only SARS-2, but other viruses. 
From your perspective, from where you're standing in all of this, Pablo, what should we really be trying to understand around this whole issue of the virus-virus interactions? From a virology perspective, we need to do a lot of groundwork. We need to, to start studying them in a comprehensive way, doing experiments, looking at patients' data, trying to integrate what happens at the cellular level with what happens at the patient level with what happens at the epidemiological scale. For example, you want to study not just the viruses that are affecting us, but you want to study the viruses that might affect us. So you can have a proactive approach in virology terms rather than a reactive approach. Now we are all working very hard to understand, to control this virus. But what if we study the viruses that haven't emerged yet and we try to find ways to prevent their emergence, to control their emergence? That I think is the change that, that we need at this moment. It sounds like there's going to be an awful lot of work for an awful lot of scientists here. Pablo, thank you so much for sharing all of this as we go into autumn and winter. And uh, obviously, we will soon see what happens. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks again to Pablo. Since speaking, a new paper has been published looking at the interplay of rhinovirus, the main virus behind the common cold, and influenza A. The researchers found that infection with one could block the other by stimulating antiviral defences in mucus in the airways. We'll put a link to that and to Pablo and his team's work on this on the podcast webpage at theguardian.com. Join us again on Thursday for the second part of our look into the potential impact of flu season on COVID-19. See you then. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.